Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank God for that. Amen. We want to open up our Bibles this morning. Romans chapter 5. If you join me there, book of Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read a few few verses at the end of this chapter and into chapter 6. I want to begin by asking you a question that has uh, frustrated many, many people over the course of human history, probably everybody. And that question is, have you ever tried to change somebody? So the problem is that it's hard for people to change. It's hard enough for us to change ourselves. And so when we see, and it's easier always to see how other people need to change, right? It's so much more obvious when we look at the lives of other people and we see that there are flaws, there are uh, mistakes, there are problems, and, and we, we think to ourselves, you know, maybe I could help that person change. Uh, young ladies wanting to get married will look at a potential husband and say, you know, he'd be a really good guy if I could change a few things about him. And uh, that usually doesn't work very well. Young men might look at a, a girl and say, wow, she's really, she's really beautiful, and you know, I could I could see this person uh, living with this person the rest of my life if we could change a few things here and there. Maybe, maybe I could change her. That also doesn't work out very well. Parents do this about their children. You know, while we have, we have a lot of influence on our children, obviously, but our children, <clears throat> it, you cannot manipulate somebody into becoming who you want them to be. And this is the problem with trying to change someone else. You use manipulation. You even begin to threaten. You begin to use ultimatums. You begin to make demands about what's going to happen. Uh, Let me ask you the question. Does it work? How do you change people then? Is there a way to truly see people? And we're talking about people that you care about. We're talking about people that you have the heart of God for. You don't have any ill intention. How is it that we can influence people to do right and not wrong? Well, maybe, just maybe, instead of coming up with your own scheme, instead of coming up with your own idea about how to change people, maybe we should ask the person who has changed more people in the course of the human race, all of earthly history, maybe we should ask that person 
who has changed more than any other, how do you do it? How do you see people change and transformed? How do you see people's characters uh, uh, renewed and reformed? How is it that we can see the positive influence of our lives on other people? It's a mystery. Well, really, it's not a mystery. Because in our scripture, we're going to find the secret to seeing people changed. Before we read the scripture, I want to introduce you to four men. That they are linked. I'm not going to tell you how they're linked until the end of the message, but I want to introduce you to them without giving you their names. The first man was only 11 when his father abandoned him, youngest of six kids. His father uh, got into an affair and spun out their family. He was really hurt. I felt like it was my fault. I was devastated to see my dad walk away. He got snagged by pornography very young at 11 years old. It messed with my head. My mind was messed up and very perverted. Began stealing, breaking into neighbors' houses, stealing a jar of coins, which he buried in his yard and would use to buy ice cream when the truck passed by the neighborhood. This became a habit of his lifestyle. That's somebody that needs some change, right? Man number two. These are true stories, by the way. This man... At 19 years old, smoked so much marijuana in one week that he coughed up blood. On one Friday, he was so drunk and high on ecstasy and acid that he got pulled over by the cops on suspicion of trafficking. He shoved all the marijuana he had in his underpants, but missed out on one bag. They put me up on the hood of the car. They found a bag of marijuana and said, look what we found. You're going to jail. That's man number two. Man number three. This man, from a young age, figured out how to steal cars. He, uh, from 18 years old, poured his life into substance abuse and crime. He joined a mafia gang. He made good money because he knew how to steal expensive cars and BMWs. Man number four was a punk rocker, high school dropout. Stumbled around drunk and high. He had a young baby at 18 years old. And he thought, I don't even know. I was so drunk and high, I don't even know if I can change his diaper right now. I might just put it on his head. It was not good. So those are four people, four examples of real life stories of people who desperately need a change. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that if you knew these people, and maybe you know some people like that, who are worse off, perhaps, or not as worse off. And the question we bang our head up against the wall, asking, how can we see these people change? Or maybe it's you this morning. Maybe you're the one banging your head up against the wall saying, how can I see the change that I want to see in my life? I hope that the Word of God will reveal that to us this morning. Let's read the Scripture, Romans chapter 5, verses 20. And 21 and going into chapter 6, the Bible says these words, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us righteous standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well then, 
Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I'm asking you to touch every heart right now, God, that we would have faith to see the grace that changes us. I'm praying right now that you would break every bondage of sin and unbelief. And God, restore our hope once again that you are able to change people. And we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. This message I've titled Grace for Change. And I want to talk about the grace of God for a few moments today because it is so different than the natural mentality. And what I mean by that is that we, you know, we're here on World Evangelism Sunday, and, and th- that's why we're wearing uh, shirts from around the world, uh, some of the men here. And, uh, th- the reason that we do this every month is to be reminded that there is a great need of, in the world, right? That there are people all around the world who need Jesus. And we recognize that without Jesus, without the gospel, that people are dying and going to hell for all eternity, and that should, as a believer, that should concern you. That that should, that should put a desire in us that we need to do something about people who are broken in their sin and lost and like the Ninevites. They don't know their right hand from their left. And God, His heart, reaches out to the lost no matter where they are. Whether they are uh, around the corner in this neighborhood on, on Lynn Haven Parkway or whether they are in, in, in uh, the Amazon rainforest, uh, untouched by civilization, or whether they are in uh, Muslim nations or Hindu nations, uh, wherever they are located this morning, the heart of God is to reach the lost. Can you say amen? That's why we have a World Evangelism Sunday, to be reminded. That our job as the church is not just to make ourselves feel good on Sunday morning. Our job is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We are supposed to be the ones doing something to see the world changed. And how do we see that world changed? See, the Bible says that we are all sinful. It's the natural condition of depravity. Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. This is called the doctrine of original sin. It means that the default behavior, the default setting of our soul is against the things of God. Is that true? I can prove that to you very, very easily. Do you ever have to teach a child how to sin? They already know, don't they? They know how to rebel. What's the first word that many kids learn? No! Very good at rebelling. Very good at taking stuff that don't belong to them. And even you see kids playing. And, you know, of all the toys in the toy room, there's just one toy that the little brother wants. And guess which one the older sister or the older brother wants to play with? They got so many to choose from. But they know because it's their favorite. The, the other siblings, that's the one. And because the, the desire of that sibling is to punish the other one, right? I want to play with it, not because I want to play with it, but because I want you to miss out on playing with it. That is sin. That's rebellion against God. 
That's wrong. And listen, nobody ever teaches a kid how to do that. They already know. It is original sin. They're sinners by birth. But also, there comes a time of our life when we know that we do wrong, right? And we do it anyway. There comes a time when we make a decision to do wrong. So we are sinners by birth and sinners by choice, and that is true of every human being all around the world. This is the evidence that people need to change. Here is the good news of salvation, church. You are dead to the power of sin. That's what our scripture said. I want you to to think about this so carefully. Romans 6, verse 2. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? The New Living Translation. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, I want you to think about that because this is something the Bible says has already happened. Now, we're talking about those of us who have put our trust and our faith in Jesus, that we have surrendered our hearts and wills to him, that that we've been born again and we've been filled with his spirit, like talking about this morning in our Sunday school class. And we have had a miracle of salvation, and this is something that has already happened. We have died to sin. That's a miracle. And I want to explain it a little bit to you because this is how we can overcome the sins of our past. This is how we can see our lives begin to change. Now, when the Bible says we are dead to sin, Does it mean that you will never sin again? Christians will find themselves falling in temptation, unfortunately, very often. Hopefully less as time goes by. That we should be, as each day goes by, becoming more and more like Jesus, conformed into his likeness and image as each day passes. And yet we recognize that there are these two truths in the word of God. Truth number one says here in Romans that we are already, we've died to our sin. That is past tense. It has already happened. Truth number two that the Bible teaches, 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So these two ideas have to be in our head at the same time. Number one I am dead to sin. Number two, I need to be careful that I can continue in my sin if I don't try. Maybe then being dead to sin means something else. Being dead to sin, I believe, means that Christians can no longer enjoy sin. That's what it means. For the believer... It is possible to fall into temptation. But I want to tell you, if you are a true believer, it is the worst thing that can happen to you. You'll immediately be filled with guilt, shame. You'll be filled with a sense of uh, distance, as we talked about this morning, from God. And everything in you as as a son or daughter of God should be, I want to get back to the place where I am right with God. That's what I want more than anything else. And that's what it means to be dead to sin, that sin is ruined for you. 
used to be you could go out and party and drink and, uh, and, and sleep with whatever and whoever you want. And yeah, it was fun. There's fun for a season. If sin wasn't fun, then nobody would do it. Drugs and alcohol was appealing because, yeah, there's some fun. You get a buzz. You get high. You get, you get, you get loose. It's, it, it's a fun time. The problem with sin is that there's a price to it. There's a hook in the bait. And it will take you farther than you want to go. And you'll pay a price that is higher than you want to pay. That's the problem with sin, and it drives us away from God. And so it's very difficult for those who are not, those who are not saved to break free from sin, obviously, because they don't want to. There's joy in sin for a season. For the believer, though, this is what the Bible means when it says we are dead to sin. It means if you sin, it is no longer enjoyable. You ought to say, thank God for that. It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin. You'll you'll disappoint yourself. You'll disappoint God. But it's okay because the fact that it is no longer enjoyable to you is proof that you're a son or a daughter of God. That's good news. The fact that it brings a sense of disappointment or uh, disillusionment or separation from God. This is a present reality in you. Sin is no longer fun. Thank God for that. And the longer that you live in grace, the more you will understand that the fun thing now is righteousness. It is far more exciting to be filled with the Spirit than to be filled with the lowercase spirits. So much more fun. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why it's fun? Because you can have a good time and you don't have, you, you don't have a hangover. That's pretty cool. We can be smiling and we can have fun and we can laugh and we can be holy and we can do it again the next day without guilt and without condemnation. Thank God. And so I'm saying this today because I want to remind you that you are dead to sin. This is absolutely true spiritually, and yet it is not complete physically. I'm, I'm sharing this with you. Remember where we started. How does God change people? This is how God changes you. Because he rewards you with his spirit when you're righteous, and he removes, he distances himself from you when we are disobedient. Okay? What is true spiritually is not yet fully complete physically. Grace is the reason why we can change. That's why it's called amazing grace. And this grace is not possible, of course, without the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is the path that makes it possible for God to show us his grace. Our scripture goes on to say in chapter 6, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined with him in death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. See, the problem is that we have forgotten this. Or we haven't fully embraced it. That 
that our death uh, to our sins is because of Jesus' death. And that is, that is shown to us, that is, it is expressed in baptism, that that picture of the body going under the water and then coming out fresh, that is a physical representation of what is happening spiritually in us every day. We are laying our old selves down to die. And the new man being raised up in his image every single day. How does that happen? It happens by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That is so powerful. So even though we still deal with temptation, we still uh, find ourselves uh, making mistakes and doing things that we regret. However, the sin has lost its power over us. Let me ask you this question. Will Jesus ever need to die again? He said on the cross, it is finished. In Aramaic, teteleshtai. That means the price is paid. The work is completed. It is a sign of victory over sin. And anything else we try to do is useless. The only thing that we have left to do is simply receive the victory of Christ. It is already dead. We are dead to sin. The way I like to illustrate this is we had a, a tree in our backyard last year. It was a tree that was ugly and it was, it was uh, empty on the inside. It was already, it was just ugly and it was covered in vines. And, and so, you know, uh, it was also dangerous because if the right storm came at the right time, that tree could have fallen on our house and caused some major damage. And so we called a, a, a company, called a few companies, get some prices, and we had a guy come out. And this is a guy who... His job is to cut down trees and remove them. And so, yeah, he, he did that. And so what he did is he, he cuts off the tree right there at the base. The tree falls down in my backyard. He makes it land in a place that was safe. Now, if you were to come and at that moment and examine the tree that was lying there in my backyard, now you might look at that tree and look at that the, there are some branches that still have leaves on them. That, the, uh, that there are some stems that are still bendy. And so if all you could see, if, if I brought you a branch from that tree and I asked you, is this tree dead or alive? You'd say, well, it looks like a living branch. It looks, there's some, some leaves there. There's some buds in springtime. Uh, it looks like it's alive. But the reality is that the power has already been cut off. This is what it's like for us to live in this life. I'm trying to give you some hope. Because there's people who beat themselves up every single day. It's not because that, uh, that it's okay to sin. I said, don't get that wrong. I'm not giving anyone an excuse to continue in sin. Paul says that in our scripture. This is not your excuse to keep on going. But what I'm saying is for those who are uh, uh, grieved by guilt and a sense of condemnation daily because you don't see yourself changing or you don't see other people changing. It looks like sin is still alive. 
I declare to you, you need to remember the power of sin is dead in your life. This is something that's already happened. 2,000 years ago, when Christ died on the cross, sin lost its power over you. And this is what begins to tangibly change people's lives. It's grace. God's grace. Grace is the spiritual law that believers live under now. There was a Puritan theologian named John Owens, and he wrote that his biggest challenge as a pastor was to persuade non-Christians that they were slaves to their sins and to persuade Christians that they are already dead to their sins. Do you hear that? The secret then to seeing your life change, to see the sanctification that we all desperately want or we should want, is that we have to remember who we are in Christ and where we are going. Again, verse 3, have you forgotten? Yes, we have forgotten. We forget often. That's why we need to hear it. That's why we come to church. Because we forget, oh yes, I'm dead to my sin. Christ gave me the victory over it. That is one of our greatest struggles in life. And I want to tell you, the devil will do anything to make you forget. To try to remind you of your past. To try to bring a, a, a guilt and condemnation. This scripture is pretty amazing. When you read the rest of chapter 6 here. Because from verses 1 through 10, it's very, very rare that you find a whole big stretch of, of Scripture where there is no command. But this is one of them. Romans 6, 1 through 10, there is no commandment in this Scripture. There is no, no, there's no uh, uh, place in th- these verses here where it says, you must do this. All, it, all Paul is doing is trying to remind us of things that are already true we've been united with him in death we will be raised to life as he was verse 6 our old sinful selves were crucified with christ so that sin might lose its power verse 7 for when we died with christ we were set free and since we died with christ we know we will also live we are sure of all these things because christ was raised from do you hear paul telling you to do anything there see this is the problem many christians encounter is they they tell themselves oh you know i just need to pray harder I need to go to, uh, you know, to seven extra church services this month. I need to make sure to read an extra ten chapters today. And what I'm telling you today is that your righteousness is not dependent on your actions. That is so weird. Because we have the mentality of I have to do things to see this happen. And what Paul is trying to remind us is it's not about what you do. It's about who you are in Christ. Are you his? It comes with a change of mind. We have to think differently. If you are doubting what I'm preaching this morning, then Paul is encouraging you to remember your baptism and what it symbolized. That the very first action of faith in our Christian lives ought to be a symbol of my old self is dead and now I'm a new person. We're dead to our previous thought patterns. Dead to our previous habits. Dead. Now that doesn't mean they don't exist. 
those thought patterns and habits could possibly still be active in your life, but they are dead. The power is gone. And we need to live that way. Look at verse 11. It's the first, it's the first time Paul brings a commandment or a, an action that we have to do. Verse 11. So you should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. In other words, what he's saying is that you need to think the way that things already are. <laughs> we have established that in verse chapter 6, you are dead to the power of sin. Now you need to consider yourself dead to sin. You need to match your mental and spiritual reality with what is already true. The, in the Greek, the word is logizomai where we get the word logic, to consider, to take into account, to meditate, to suppose, to judge, to determine, to purpose, to decide. In other words, we look at what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that I'm dead to sin. So you know what? I need to live huh, like I'm dead to sin. And here's the miracle. When you do that, this is when you begin to see a change in your life. When you begin to assume what the Bible says is true about your own life. The old King James says, I reckon. It must have been from Texas. I reckon that I am already dead to my sin. Romans 8, 18. I consider, same word, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. There's Paul. He's comparing the suffering that he's enduring in the present to the glory which is to come. And he is saying to himself, I consider, I logically understand that even though I'm hurting now, that it's actually going to be good. That's something we have to do by faith. Same word, logical consideration. Philippians 3.13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Same word. I do not count myself or consider that huh, I'm done already. No. He's saying I logically am going to make a, a, a point to keep going forward. Last example, Philippians 4.8. Whatever things are true or noble or just or pure or lovely or good report, whatever things are praiseworthy, meditate or consider those things. It's a decision to put our faith and trust in Him. So my call to you this morning, if you want to see change, is change your mind about who you are. You can walk out of this service saying, I'm a child of God. I don't have to live like that anymore. I don't have to be bound in pornography anymore. Because it's dead. It's a tree that, yeah, there might be some branches and some leaves still showing up. But that power is gone. If you are uh, lost in, in, in self-pity or despair, hopelessness, you can say this morning, I'm a child of God. I have hope. I can go forward. I can change. And this then is where we get, as we close, the secret to changing other people. If God can change you by showing you his grace. This is where it starts to get a little painful. 
then how do you suppose God can change others? Jesus had to make an ultimate sacrifice for us. He emptied himself on the cross so that we can experience his forgiveness and therefore his amazing grace. Then let's apply that to our horizontal relationships. How do we see a spouse who refuses to change? How do we see them change? What about a difficult and a rebellious child? What about a wicked boss? How do you see them change? Make no mistake. This is the only path to see effective change in people around us. We, like Christ, have to be willing to empty ourselves of our pride, of our demands. We have to be willing to express the agape love of God, that, that kind of love which is unconditional, which is beyond human love. It's not just I like you or uh, I like what you can do for me. It is the kind of love that says I'm willing to sacrifice for you. And I'm willing to forgive at the very moment that you cry out. This is how God changes people. This, again, is not an excuse or a license to live any way you want to live. It is a reality that we have passed from one kingdom to another kingdom, from one master to another master. We are dead to our old life under Adam, and we have a new way of living under Jesus. Let's go back to our four men that we talked about at the beginning. The first man, remember his father had left him when he was a child. He blamed himself, got wrapped up in pornography. That man today is a pastor in Fayetteville, North Carolina. His name is Rick Buckles. He's the same one who preached that powerful message on prayer that we watched a few weeks back. God changed him. The second man that, we, that I spoke about, he was uh, in the Navy, extreme temptation. He was with a couple of guys that they sailed into port somewhere, and, and just a life of drugs and alcohol and, and pornography and strippers and just nastiness. That man is a pastor today in Indianapolis, Indiana. His name is Nick Timig, good friend of mine. The third man that I spoke about, the one who uh, was involved in the mafia and stealing cars and making a lot of money and all the drugs that came with it, that man is also a very good friend of mine who was a missionary for years in the nation of Moldova. His name is Vitali Lopina. Today, living for God in the city of Tempe, Arizona. God can change people. The last person I spoke with spoke about is sitting in this room today. You might have recognized the story. The age of 20, who joined the Navy, but same old addictions didn't let him get a new start. That man is Pastor Dave Smale sitting on this side. So don't tell me that God can't change you or that there's no hope for people that you care about. Don't sit here and tell me that that person is always going to be like that or I'm always going to continue in my sin. I'm telling you, this is just the tip of the spear here. This is just the very tippy top of the iceberg. 
I could name for you hundreds and hundreds of people who have been transformed by the powerful, amazing grace of God. So don't lose hope. Don't lose hope for yourself that you can change. And don't lose hope for those stubborn people around you. That they're, oh, I shouldn't even talk about Jesus with them. That should be the only thing you talk about with them. Because that's the only way. Is God's amazing grace. When they will finally turn to him, God will show us his grace. I close with that scripture from Romans, chapter 2. The one that transformed the way that I see God when I was a new convert. Listen carefully as we close. Romans 2, verse 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Isn't that amazing? It's not the rage of God. It's not the wrath of God. It's not the fear of God. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And this is what we have to reflect in our daily lives. Yes, we have to judge sin. Yes, we have to be holy. But that doesn't mean we cannot show the most important aspect of our salvation is God's amazing grace. Let's bow our heads. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.